On April 20th, 1989, on a dark country road near Circle, Montana, a woman is seen driving on the wrong side of the road. She narrowly avoids a head-on collision, but ends up in another. The victim of that crash emerges unhurt. The woman that caused the accident emerges from her car and just stares blankly at the victim. As help arrives, she flees into the forest and is never seen again. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Patricia Meehan. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement. Back in the bowels of Georgia. Yeah. Fresh off the quarantine, out of protective custody. I'm back, and I am rusty, man. It took me like eight times to do that intro. I am rusty. You're side for sore eyes, buddy. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I, um, unfortunately, I did uh, contract the COVID, uh, but I got better. It sucked. It sucked a whole bunch. But I'm just grateful to be here. And I am so grateful that people are actually, you know, sticking with us and hopefully understanding that it wasn't my fault. I didn't want COVID, but I got it. And we had to take a break for a little while. So we do thank all of our listeners for hanging with us and our mini brews, our guest speaker Raylan coming on and doing the melon heads. (laughs) But let's get into the uh, melon heads. Shout out. Ain't that like a candy? I think it was. They sell them up there in Michigan. <laughs> we had two new patrons since our last podcast that we actually laid eyes on each other. Yeah. One is the sister of Coach. Yeah, for a dollar. Come on. You could pitch in more than a dollar. If she'd have got the three dollars, she would have got our episodes 24 hours in advance. Oh. How, are you doing that? Yeah. How are you doing that? I'm dropping it uh, at least at least 24 hours in advance. The last two micro-brews, I have kind of fallen on the sword a little bit, and they got them probably you 14 hours in advance. But You suck. I am working on getting those episodes out. We're uh, trying. I put on Patreon, Patreon, put on Patreon that uh, we were going to try to do 24 to 48 hours out. You would get the episode before it drops. So everybody... Thank you for the positive feedback that you've given us. Uh, we got another new patron. Her name is Felicia L. Galindo. I hope that's how you pronounce your name. Man, if I butchered you, it. You did. You totally butchered yeah. it. If I butchered it, I do apologize. She is from San Pedro, California. Nice. She's getting the old sticker decal. So we do appreciate you. We are number 93 in Israel. True crime. As of our last episode that dropped, our Joseph Pilcher, I butcher his name too, uh, (laughs) we were sitting around 14,200 total downloads, and in less, I'd say three days, we have eclipsed 15,200, so thank you. That That is amazing. That's badass. And we're sitting here, thanks to our Patreons, we got new equipment. 
This, I mean, we're almost, we're fucking fancy. This is ridiculous. We got, I mean, you would think we were, uh, we knew what we were doing if you, you saw this set up. It is uh, probably an OSHA violation on all the wires going everywhere, but. <laughs> so when you do inevitably hear um, a large commotion and yelling at a dog, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's, there's no way that these dogs don't. Uh, tangle all this tangle, mess. Uh, tangle it up. But again, thank you to everyone who has shown us some love during the lockdown period. I know if you are from the southeast, uh, most of the governors in the southeast is like, fuck it, we're opening back up. And so they said to hell with it. I will say this. uh, My hometown last Friday, uh, if we're going to have a spike, it's going to happen because I drove by Chili's Applebee's and Outback and they were huddled up in masses. No masks, no protective gear on. And it was raining. (laughs) So, you know, you got to get your restaurant on. Last thing i've got is we have gotten to 190 followers on our instagram page we're over what i tell you 425 450 who the hell knows we're over 400 facebook <laughs> followers and you said what on twitter uh 241 which is pretty damn good man anyway people don't care about that what, what people care about what one thing what we drinking well that's a good question what are we drinking here we do have a lovely lovely brew and since this is from the Midwest, or not Midwest, actually, it's from Montana. Montana. We're not going to get any Montana beers. No, I don't even think there is Montana. So we're going beers. old school. We're going to go uh, Budweiser Red Label. <laughs> not me. Not me. <laughs> I'm just messing. Man. We're going standby Sweetwater 420. You know, what's funny is on Monday, I have a job interview at Anheuser-Busch to be a security guard. <laughs> Sweet, man. Yeah. Two free cases a month. Uh, not of that mess. Well, you can just send it my way. I know a couple <laughs> of drunks that will take it. <laughs> but. All right, so let's get into it. We are going to discuss this week Miss Patricia Meehan. And she was born. This no- one's a crazy one. This is a crazy case. And not only is it crazy, but it is also on Untold Mysteries. So if you're interested, you can... Look that up and watch. It's not on YouTube, so if you've got Amazon Prime, you'll have to find the episode. It is on YouTube. I watched it last night. Well, thanks for sharing. It's uh, you gotta you have to find it, but um, obviously I didn't type in what it was supposed to be typed in. Yeah. So it so unfortunately they don't um label them very well, and they don't like say people's names. They're just like oh, lost in the woods or. Lost love or something like that, which is just fine. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's awesome that they have every, almost every episode available for free on YouTube. So like I said, she was born November 1st, 1951. She stood five foot three inches, weighed 117 pounds. She had gray green eyes and strawberry blonde hair. She was fair complected and had freckles. She was originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but had moved to Oklahoma to attend college and prepare for a career in early childhood development in preparation for a career in daycare. But in 1985, she abandoned that pursuit and relocated to Bozeman, Montana, where she worked as a ranch hand, citing a love of animals as her reasoning for shifting her career. She had been working odd jobs in addition to her ranch work in order to support herself. 
Now, the night in question, as you heard in the opening, is what we'll dive into here in just a second. But the last person to see Meehan before she disappeared was her landlord. He noted that her demeanor was out of the ordinary and that she seemed a little hyper. And before her disappearance, her family and friends had noticed that she had become depressed and a little withdrawn. Her mother believes that she was looking back at her life and wondering what she had accomplished. So let's get into the night in question. And that was April 20th, 1989. 420. That's right. I was a wee lad, only in seventh grade. No, man, I was in elementary school because you were old. On Highway 200 (laughs) near Circle, Montana, Peggy Bueller and her parents were driving to Great Falls, Montana to visit her sister. Behind them in a car was Carol Heights, an off-duty police dispatcher. Out of nowhere, a car driving erratically came onto their side of the road. The first car, Peggy's, swerved out of the way, barely missing a head-on collision with the car. Carol pulls off the side of the road to avoid the collision, but is still struck by Patricia's car. Carol exited her car dazed, confused, but not seriously injured. Been dazed and confused for so long, it's not true. The wrong way driver. <laughs> what? No, you don't. No, I can't even get no love for that. No love. You don't even. No, I'm not giving you any love for that. All right, that's fine. The wrong way driver exited her vehicle, and this would be Miss Patricia Meehan. She looked at Carol for several seconds, and this is Carol's account, but said nothing. She then turns and walks away. Peggy Bueller and her parents went back to the accident scene to make sure everything was okay and everyone was all right. Peggy notices Patricia states that she was standing on the other side of a fence a few yards away. And according to Peggy, she was looking at the scene of the accident as if she had not been in it, as if she had just witnessed the accident. She then turns, walks into the field, and is never seen again. Well, not necessarily never seen again. Well, true, but as of this moment. Foreshadowing. Clearly, I'm, I'm thinking she hit her head and she was concussed. Yeah, I think that's the general, you know, I think conclusion once we research this. This accident, it, you know, Carol is stating that she's dazed and confused after just being sideswiped. Stop saying that. I want to sing every time. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you Man, did. Man, that was so good. But anyway, so within about a half hour of the accident, the police trace the car to 38-year-old Patricia Meehan. She was the wrong way driver, as we had previously stated. So immediately, the the police began to search for her. But they have no idea if she is injured, if she is purposely hiding from them because she may be inebriated or under the influence. So in their initial search, they find a trail of tennis shoes, and it starts in the field approximately three-quarters of a mile from where the crash occurred. Based on the size of those shoe impressions, the tracks were believed to be that of a female, and the police basically divulged that it had to be Patricia's shoes. 
They followed these tracks until 3 a.m. in the morning on April 21st. Then they discovered that they just disappeared into the train. And they don't go into a whole lot of detail about the train, but I'm I'm speculating here, but it's probably rocky, dry, and the, the tracks are just not there. So they suspend the search until the following morning when it gets daylight. And roughly they start theorizing that she has tried to elude police officers. And they believe that she fled into the the field and into the surroundings to stay away from the police. Now, one of the theories that they came to is that she may have tried to hitchhike. They surmised that she may have hit out in a hay truck that was parked a half a mile from the site of the accident. But there are no other sightings, no other clues to go on. According to Patricia's mother, she had been experiencing a little bit of depression and she had been visiting a psychologist whom she had made an appointment with for the morning of April 21st. Now, they find her belongings and Patricia's family states that in those was a developed roll of film from her camera, which had a picture, or I should say a self-portrait, that Patricia had taken in front of a mirror. And this is before the time of selfies. It was a good picture, too, but it was so haunting. Yeah, it is. It's just eerie. Yeah, I mean, even if she hadn't, this hadn't happened to her, it's still just a very, very haunting photo. Now, family and police kind of come to the conclusion that she's probably suffered a little bit of amnesia and really don't know who she is, and she's just wondering. But yeah, but that still doesn't, even if that's true... She would still have been found by now. Surely. Oh, I agree. It's been 30 years. And so the... You don't... You can't... You don't go missing for 30 years and people continuously see you. There's so many sightings of you. Even if you do have amnesia, at some point you're going to like try to, you know, figure out what happened to you. Figure out where you came from. Or who you are. Yeah, Exactly. So, that, I mean, it's just so strange. So her family arrives in Montana shortly after the disappearance. They start distributing missing person flyers and a newspaper out there states that they distributed over 2,000 missing person flyers. Local volunteers mount up and they search the surrounding mountains, the terrain, the near, near the side of the crash. They search by horse, by ATV. They even employ a helicopter, but they can't find anything. They begin searching abandoned coal mines in the area, but again, there's no traces of Meehan anywhere. The site of the accident near Circle, Montana, was nearly 400 miles from Patricia's home in Bozeman, and neither law enforcement nor Patricia's family can explain her reasons for being in that area at that time of night. And basically, that's the facts of the case. That's about all there is. Now we will get into some of the more credible sightings. 
Yeah, she's going to be... Um, I got different information when I was looking it up about um, people seeing her. There have been upwards of 5,000 sightings of this woman, and at least 100 of them have been corroborated with the police. Like, And so, I hate so, to break it to you, but we're not going over all of them. So I'm just going to say that... She did not meet her demise that night. No, she didn't. Clearly she didn't. She walked away. They They watched her walk away. But I'm I'm guessing she probably, you know, she probably had a head injury and was concussed and just, but that still doesn't, that still doesn't explain, explain. why she didn't seek help, right? yeah. you know. She had been spotted multiple times throughout the U.S. and she has made no attempt to the date of this podcast to contact her family or friends. I mean, 30 years. And at first, people theorized that she vanished to avoid prosecution for leaving the scene of an accident. But like you stated, that's not, I mean, you're going to contact friends and family and let them know you're okay, but there's nothing. Yeah. Now, there are eyewitness reports that she has some strange behavior. And this suggests to police and some psychiatrists that were brought on to study her behavior that she may have been suffering from a rare and dangerous form of amnesia. Uh, One psychiatrist believes that Patricia missed having children and this made her depressed. Another psychiatrist that was consulted on the case states that she probably sustained a head injury from the accident and that, combined with her previous problems, may have caused her amnesia. But since the accident, like Coach had stated, she has been spotted at least 100 credible times between Montana and Seattle, mostly at truck stops. And apparently, she's hitchhiking out of the areas before family, police, anyone can find her. Her family is still... Very concerned for her safety, sanity, and especially the fact that she had been reported seen crying on several occasions in some of these eyewitness reports. So one of the most or one of the more confirmed sightings was in May of 1989 in Bozeman. And this is just a few miles from Patricia's home. It's believed that she went to a restaurant and she was behaving strangely around both the hostess and the waitress that served her. She told the hostess that she wanted to be sat and served quickly because she had to go shopping. The waitress noticed that she was acting disoriented, spacey, and often looking off into space. She was overheard talking to herself, and despite claiming that she was in a hurry, she sat at the table for over an hour. She eventually left after the waitress asked if she was okay. Now, another sighting in May of 1989 comes from a police officer in Laverne, Minnesota, and he claims to have seen Patricia sitting inside a Hardy's restaurant. She had been drinking water alone in a booth for over five hours until the restaurant's closing time. Then she walked to a nearby 24-hour diner. Hmm. When the officer questioned her, She refused to give her name and claimed to be from Colorado, and then she claimed to be from Israel. 
The following day, on May the 5th, two other sightings of Meehan were reported, one in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where a waitress claimed that she had sat inside a truck stop diner drinking coffee between 12 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. That same day, a waitress at another diner in Murdo, South Dakota, reported seeing Patricia between 10 and 11 p.m. in the company of a man who appeared to be in his 30s. Now we get to a sighting on May 19th, 1989. And this is from a waitress at a restaurant near Patricia's home. And this waitress claims that she ordered and ate breakfast in a hurried manner. And then again mentioned that she needed to go shopping. And again, she was seen talking to herself. That same week, another sighting occurred at a horse auction in Billings, Montana. And then we don't have anything, no sightings, nothing until the end of May, which is roughly two weeks after that restaurant sighting. And it states that a woman resembling Patricia was seen passing, I'm sorry, was seen by a passing truck driver on I-90 in rural Washington. The driver offered her a ride, which Patricia declined, and the woman told another passing female motorist that her car had broken down and that she was going to find a phone. The next week in Tacoma, Washington, near the port of Tacoma, an employee claimed to have seen her at a truck stop on I-5 asking strangers for directions to Aberdeen. So again, some odd behavior. Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Some extremely odd behavior. And again, it's almost like she's had a break. I'm not, I don't know if it would be a psychotic break, but mm-hmm. obviously something has happened. So we go to June of 1989. And in June alone, there were 25 sightings of Patricia. And only three of those would be confirmed by police. Now, other other sightings of Patricia were received by law enforcement throughout the Pacific Northwest, mostly at truck stops between Montana and Seattle. And law enforcement believed that she may have been in Washington State during this time because supposedly she had an ex-boyfriend in Spokane and her sister resided in Seattle. Due to these sightings, Patricia's parents and brother traveled over 8,000 miles throughout the Northwest in hope of in hope of finding Patricia. On June 27, 1989, another sighting occurred near Great Falls, Montana. And this is just one week after she had been reported seen in Washington, which was later confirmed to be a look-alike female truck driver. There ain't no female truck drivers. In 89? Never. (laughs) So we go to August 30th, 1990. And this is a sighting of a transient woman who was arrested by police in Coer, I'm butchering this one, Deline, Idaho, oh, for you, you did great. littering. Littering and littering and loitering. Littering and smoking the reefer. <laughs> <laughs> the woman did resemble Meehan, and the arresting officer initially believed it to be her, but this later turned out to be a case of mistaken identity. Now, in the Seattle Times, there was an article on September the 1st 
that goes into a little bit more detail about this littering sighting. And a, a witness in the article states that the woman in question was probably not Patricia, but she did resemble her. Police were unable to determine whether the woman identified herself as Morning Star, which is a stretch. I, you know, I don't know how they can tie someone stating that their name is Morning Star to Patricia, but I don't know. Uh, the officer in question, Steve Kosimakaki, no, <laughs> Koskimaki. Let's just say he's Officer Steve. <laughs> He, he spots the woman in a restaurant on a Thursday and was sure that it was Patricia who he had seen photographs of. And basically, he arrests her, and this is a little ticky, for throwing a newspaper on the street. They do contact her former boyfriend, Kurt Fletchell of Spokane, and he told the police that that was not Patricia who they had in custody, but there was a strong resemblance and the voice was similar. This woman in question appeared before a magistrate judge named Neil Walter and stated that she was a missionary for God and stopped in town en route from Seattle to Montana. Hmm. And then... These are a couple of unconfirmed sightings that was posted on the unsolved.com website. And both of these are anonymous. The first one states that I was in Butte, Montana at a bar one evening. I have forgotten which one, but it's likely the bar on the hill since it's where I hung out most of the time. I met or was approached by a woman matching Patricia's description. She spoke of Sydney, Montana. I remember a woman missing from that area. I attempted to get more info, including her name, but her speech was disorganized and very, very soft. She did not appear to be intoxicated. It was during this encounter I kept a cigarette lighter she gave me. I wanted to get some fingerprints from her, so I handled the lighter with care. I called the Butte police from a payphone located in the bar and informed them of my situation, but was told by whoever answered the phone that there was nothing they could do. I still remember this, and I'm almost positive this was Patricia Meehan. And then the other anonymous sighting states that I recognize Patricia Meehan from tonight's airing of Unsolved Mysteries. I went from Yakima, Washington, over to Ogden, Utah, to meet my brother-in-law for the first time, who was a Christian when my wife, Tamar, and I arrived in Ogden. Meeting Tim Tamar's brother, most have made quite an impression. Four days later, my wife left me and my Ford Lightning pickup truck blew up after Tamar's Uncle Buck, who was employed through the city of Ogden as a mechanic, had borrowed my truck. That's amazing. Tim didn't let me stay, so having no place to go and not knowing a soul, I found Robin O'Brien, who worked at Hill Air Force Base and I thank him for taking me to a truck stop because I had nothing to eat. Says that I was staying at the truck stop for over 40 days when I met Patricia through a truck driver named the Tin Man. <laughs> she hung out with me daily. I would buy her lunch and dinners at the stop. 
I about fell out after seeing her on tonight's Unsolved Mysteries episode. She was really a beautiful girl, and I worry about her at that truck stop. Yeah, I I don't really put a whole lot into that. Why not? I think he may have been on the wacky weed. He spent 40 days at a truck stop? <laughs> Maybe he, uh... Maybe his car was broke down. You don't know this man. You well, he know. said that Uncle Buck took his truck and blew it up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't know what he, what life this guy's living. He may have had a hard day. <laughs> All right, one of the theories that's online is that Patricia is very, very similar looking, almost identical to a lady named December Davis in Arizona. Uh-huh. And this is... It, December has a Facebook page, and people were going nuts on Unsolved.com and WebSleuths. However, December contacted Unsolved.com on July 13, 2015, and stated, Hi, all. It appears that I am the subject of a missing person theory. Pearson. Pearson. Where is this person? I'm. Uh, where Where is she? Because I'm on Facebook right now. December Davis from Arizona is all. I didn't look it up. Anyway, she states that I am the subject of a missing person theory. I agree that we have similar features, but I am not Patricia Meehan. I was born in 65 to Kathleen and Walt Duro. She's in Montana or Arizona? Arizona. So if you are familiar with this case and think that December Davis resembles her, please reach out to us. Uh, from what I could gather, there was a lot of people after this post that stated that she did resemble her, but again, they... They kind of put this one to bed. So that's most of the credible sightings that we've come across. Uh, like Coach stated earlier, you know, there's so many sightings of her. I don't think she met her demise that night. No, absolutely not. I think that she probably, like one of the articles stated, was living a transient lifestyle, just not knowing who she was. Then she may have been on... I don't know. I'm not saying she was on drugs, but she may have just been kind of a free spirit just going from here and there. Yeah. But I mean, just to not contact anybody, not try to find out who you are. I mean, maybe she, maybe she didn't have a head injury. Maybe she just did it. Maybe she just saw her chance and took off. Yeah, you know, they, they keep stating that she was depressed, and it, I'm not saying this is an excuse for her behavior, but, you know, late 30s, if you don't have kids, women tend to look back and second-guess a lot of things, and maybe she saw this as an, an opportunity to start over or... Yeah. Or just see the countryside. I mean, I know it's early 90s, we're not talking about... You know, the early 70s, but, you know, she obviously she was, her the sightings didn't say that she was looked malnourished. So she obviously she was being fed and, and clean. Yeah. You know, none of the sightings stated that she was dirty or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know, man. What do you think happened? Let's talk about, what are our theories? I think... Like you had stated, that she probably suffered a concussion during the accident. She's dazed. 
she walks over to the fence, kind of looking back, almost like an out-of-body experience, looking at the the uh, accident scene. Yeah. And then she just kind of wanders off. And I lead credence to maybe she did stay in the uh, that hay trailer that was located about a half a mile. And then the next morning, or not even the next morning, maybe a couple hours later, she hitchhikes her way to a truck stop or to a gas station or something and just starts, you know, jumping from town to town. With the sightings going from Montana to Seattle, it kind of leads credence that she, she may have known, hey, if I can get to Seattle seems like I may know someone in Seattle and, you know, there's an ex-boyfriend that lives there. There's a sister that lives there. One article I read stated that her brother spent a lot of time out there in the Northwest looking tirelessly for her. And it's just a sad situation. I mean, really, this is a head scratcher, to be honest with you. My theory is she kind of just disappeared into the, into society and she's not I'm not saying that she's one of the people that you you hear about on a lot of true crime podcasts where she's a an underling or a, a someone in society that they're not going to miss. Yeah. But it's almost like she blended in with that crowd around truck stops and stuff where she's not extremely noticeable and she's not doing anything I would say out of the ordinary. I mean, you're going to get some some odd characters at those truck stops, but it's nothing that they probably doesn't see on a, a daily basis. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, she would be, what, 62, 63 now? Uh, she'd be up there. I mean, it's been 30 years and she was She's like, almost 70. Yeah, she, she's almost 70 now. Yeah, she's still so around. If she's still alive. You know, unfortunately, her mother passed away uh, not knowing what happened to her, and I... I feel like that's one of the biggest travesties of this story, other than her family not knowing what happened. Her mother went to her grave not knowing if her daughter was okay. So what do you have? Well, I mean, I honestly think that, that yeah, she probably had some sort of amnesia and just didn't realize what she was doing. But it still doesn't explain why she's never... Uh, Never been seen, never been heard. I mean, she's been seen, but she never contacted her family. She never tried to find help. I mean, at some point, you would think that she would know that there's something wrong with her. Yeah, and I guess my question is, they say that they found some belongings of hers in in that roll of film, but did they find driver's license? Did they find cash, wallet? I mean, what did they find? You know, if she had her wallet or she had ID or a credit card, that's another thing that no one touches on. Was there any? Did anyone look into her her financials? Did you know was her checking account or credit cards used? And you know it's the time before cell phones, so I mean, unless she goes to a payphone, she's not contacting anyone. But I mean, I just feel like there's some things that could have been done, and they may have been done. We just couldn't find it. Yeah, there's a lot of articles on unsolved.com that if you click on the link towards the bottom of the page, it goes to like a news archives page and you have to pay 
$60 a month to have access. And nah, I'm not going to do that. But I do have a couple of articles that we're going to uh, post on our social media from, I think one of them was the Seattle Times article. And then there's another one from Spokane, maybe, or maybe from Bozeman. And it's right afterwards and it, it details some of the case. Uh, it touches on the uh, family searching for and handing out flyers. So, you got anything else there, Bub? No, I mean, I just wished, wish, wish the best for her. I hope she's still around, and I hope that she's found peace somehow. You know, but it's a weird case, man. It's just so. It's it's so odd. Yeah. And it's just like she's a ghost. She can wander in and out of these locations and and kind of just be a you know, like we refer to some of the kids that we've taught in the past, they're, you know, they're ghosts in the hallway. You recognize a face, but you don't really know them. Yeah. We're not done yet. We didn't give a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're forgetting the whole the whole premise of the show, man. Yeah, okay, so... And we got to encourage people to get on Patreon and give us money. Oh, well, that is true. Because I like money. I'm a huge fan of it. It has benefited us, if you could see the setup. Yeah. But my recommendation is actually... I'm going to take one out of your page this Uh-oh. week. Uh-oh. Are you now? I am, and it is from the YouTube... <gasps> If you're not following Matt Best from uh, Black Rifle Coffee, you need to because he's a damn fool, but that's not who. Matt Best. He's one of the co-owners of Black Rifle Coffee Company. He's put out a couple of pun songs. One of them was Quarantine. is hilarious. But um, the other one is called The Truth Factory, and that is the one that I have fallen in love with here lately. She does a great job of tantalizing you into some of the conspiracies that have been proven true, like the Finder's Cult, and that's one I would love to dive into. But uh, she's got a lot, a lot of videos, and um, if you if you're into that sort of thing, or if you're just a YouTube junkie, check her out. It's the Truth Factory on YouTube. What you got there, bub? I'm going to recommend a book. Um, it's a book called Can't Hurt Me, Master Your Mind and Defy the Odds um, by a man named David Goggins. Who? Oh, I love him, man. Yeah, he's awesome. He's an amazing book talking about um, all the crazy antics he's been up to in his life, doing Navy SEAL training three times, being becoming an Army Ranger. Doing ultra marathons, just crazy shit, crazy. And he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast twice, and Joe Rogan actually brings on other people and talks about David, and they state that David was not like that until he joined the military. Yeah. Something good clicked, or something good snapped, and he has become a mental warrior. Yeah, he's a, he's a beast. I watched so. one of the follow-up podcast with joe rogan was the guy who's i think his wife owned Spanx, and he hired david to get him into shape yeah and he tells a story about uh 
David came and lived with him for 30 days. And the first day he got there, they go to his home gym and he tells him, he said, all right, man, let's, we're going to knock out a hundred pull-ups. And he's like, uh, okay. He said, he gets up there and he busts out eight. He said, he gets down. And he's like, that's all I got in me. He goes, that's not all you got in you. He said, now get up there. Yeah. He said, so I get back up there and he said, I struggle to get two more out. He said, a couple more minutes pass by. I get back up there and I get one and he's like, David, that's it, man. I can't do it. And he said, yeah, I'm going to go get my stuff and leave. He said, I can't help you. He's like, what are you talking about? And he said, if you don't think you can do 100 pull-ups in a day, I cannot help you. And he said, two hours later, I finished my 100th pull-up. Wow. And there's stories like that all over the internet about David Goggins. And I follow him on Instagram and he has, I will say this, do not <laughs> watch his videos <laughs> with your children around. <laughs> he does not mix words. But I love his frankness. I love the fact that he is a champion for people that basically give the middle finger to society and you do you and don't don't apologize for yeah. it. But you're right, man. He's awesome. Yeah, he is so I, awesome. I read that book recently and I, it was amazing. I couldn't put it down. My wife bought that bought it for me and uh I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it tremendously. So now can I do it? No, because we have to tell people to get on. Uh, oh yeah, there's uh, another part. We gotta get on the the. Give us a five star review. Give us some Patreon money. Give us whatever you want. You're, you're <laughs> blind, crippled, and crazy. Um, we do want to thank the lady from Arkansas for our t-shirts. Oh, yeah, I got that. It's upstairs for you, man. Yeah, those shirts are awesome. And we also want to give a shout-out to our private investigator in Arkansas. If y'all have not listened to that episode, please listen to both of those episodes. We've got some great feedback on that. We're getting a lot of user requests for cases, and we're going to start folding them in. Uh, Coach has a list of like 70 or 80, and I'm just going to be the user. that. I'm just going to be the user submitted request from now. We've we've touched on just about all the ones I've got. I've got a couple of them that I'm going to do before, but yes, please reach out. We started that new tier on Patreon. It's a dollar, and that is basically just showing a little love for us. That's twelve dollars a year. That going that going to buy us a a six pack of beer. That's right. But we do appreciate every one of our patrons, and uh, since it's been a little bit. We're going to go ahead and give y'all a shout out right now to all of our total patrons. The first and the woman that put the foot in our ass to actually make our Patreon page, Mr. Mrs. Jennifer Clickenbeard. We cannot thank you enough. Our super fan, Joyce Brandon. She's Uh, she's awesome. Both of them are awesome. uh, Mr. Thomas Samuels. uh, Our good friend, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith. Mr. George Collins, who is our only equipment tier. Mr. George, we do appreciate you, buddy. Right, we're enjoying the equipment, buddy. This is, we're fancy now. Yes, we are. So. Uh, sister of Coach for her dollar a month contribution. And Miss Felicia, thank you. Thank you from the great state of California. Spread the word out there in California. Hey, and uh, since you're in California, send us some some California beer, Felicia. Uh, freaking um, Pliny the Elder, Russian River. Best uh, Stone Cold's IPA. I heard that was amazing. We can't get that here. Anyway, we'll do 
song and dance. You're not getting a picture of our faces, but uh, we'll <laughs> do just about anything else. <laughs> and if uh, you want to join the ultra Patreon tier of a thousand dollars a month, I will have your name tattooed across my ass cheeks. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll do that as well. Like, if you want your name forever etched in the flesh, join that thousand dollars, boys yeah, and girls. That would be amazing. <laughs> now you can do it. <laughs> Thank you to everyone that has stuck with us during this COVID month of scrambling and and piecemealing, and hopefully we're back on track and we're rolling. We're Coming close to our year anniversary, man. I know. It's wild. It's, who would have guessed? Who would have thunk it? Who would have guessed? Two idiots. <laughs> hey, man, we ought to do this. Two idiots could pull off a fucking podcast that actually has people interested. That's amazing. And it's not just our family. I know, right? Hey, I, don't think my, I don't think my family listens anymore. My wife doesn't. <laughs> I, I, think I my, will say this. Meth Mouth Judy has gotten in the into rehab she's cleaned up her act uh she has been binge listening to our episodes kylie has drank the kool-aid and she is quarantined in her apartment bitching about people playing golf on the golf course that she lives on (laughs) you live on a golf course i'm pretty sure it comes with the territory (laughs) she just keeps taking pictures and posting it on her i would have never guessed these sons of bitches is out here playing golf and they should be wearing masks well, that's about enough of that. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hopefully this COVID thing will disappear as fast as it came and we can get back to a little bit of uh, normalcy. But until next time, deuces. <laughs> <laughs>